Oh, it's another episode of Not So Bon Voyage. Christine, are you excited? I'm so excited. Voyagers, are you excited? Yes, yes, We're we are. So excited. Got another great episode today. We are talking about a crazy story about a guy who goes down to Mexico and pretty much everything goes wrong. And we're talking about one of the greatest con men in travel history. And in the news this week is our story because we took our van up to Vancouver and we had a couple of troubles. So we're going to tell you about that on the other side. Speak to you then. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. It is snowing. It is snowing. That is snowing. That was going to be my intro. G'day, mateys. Not so bon voyage podcast. Welcoming you for episode 16 in another country. Canada, eh? Canada, eh? This is the first time that the Not So Bon Voyage podcast has gone international. That's true. That is true. We are international travelers, Jules and Christine, and we travel a lot. But since we've started this podcast, we have mostly been in... Oh, no, wait. Did we do a Mexico episode? Uh, oh, we did do a Mexico. Yeah, we, we, record, we recorded after our wedding in Mexico. We did. So it is a North American podcast now. Apparently. There you go. We'll take it international we'll take soon it international. enough. I mean, it is international. Like overseas. Overseas, yes. We'll, we'll do an Australia overseas. one. I'm sure we'll do an Indonesia-based episode at some stage. But for now, we are here. It is episode 16. Yes, it is. At- we are in snowy Vancouver. We are. So Vancouver is... In uh, British Columbia, west coast of Canada, does not typically get a lot of snow, but it has been snowing the last couple of days and it's going to continue to snow because there is a cold front. It's chilly, chilly, but it is so beautiful, you guys. We are both not really snow people coming from California and Australia, so we're just enjoying looking out the window and watching the snow fall. Yep, I've been out there waiting for just an inch of snow to fall so I can shovel it just for the novelty of it. Freezing hands and all. We took our van from California, from San Francisco. We drove it up north, zoomed up the Highway 5, made it to Seattle. Mm -hmm. We are house-sitting in Vancouver for three and a half weeks. Yes, we're going to be here for a while. So if you're from Vancouver, hit us up. Hit us up. Well, if you're in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. If you're Not if Vancouver. you're from and you move to like Montreal or something. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm from Vancouver. Cool, let's catch up. Oh, I live in Australia now. Yeah, don't yeah, we, don't we, talk to us. We don't need that. We can't associate with you. No. So we took our van, our trusty steed, our 1992 Dodge Ram van, which has been slightly upgraded with a bed and some storage. It mechanically drives quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few issues. Mm-hmm. We had some issues in the lead up to it with a, a leaking roof and broken windscreen wipers, but we made it to Seattle to stop by and catch up with some of our friends. Shout mm-hmm. out to Corey and John. Okay. What's up, guys? And then we almost didn't make it up to Vancouver. Yeah. We we had a not-so-bon voyage. We had a couple not-so-bon voyages. The first one being when we tried to leave Seattle in the afternoon to get to Vancouver by the evening, we got to the parking garage that we put our car in, and it was completely locked. Bolted up. We could not get in. We could definitely not get at the car out. <laughs> so we were pretty much screwed, or so we thought. So this car park is early in the summer. Actually, you might remember if you were an avid Voyager that episode one was actually recorded in Seattle. That was Mm -hmm. our first episode. And we drove up and we did the same thing. We spent some time up there house sitting. We stayed with some friends and we actually parked it in this car park in the past. 
and everything was fine. But what was wrong this time, Christine? This time we had parked it on a Friday and stayed overnight. So we were trying to leave on Saturday. And apparently the car park is closed on the weekends. And we had no idea because the only indication of that is a tiny printed out sign that is posted when you first enter. And it's really low. And, and our, our van, van is, high. is quite high. So we could not see it. And we showed up thinking, okay, we have to be in Vancouver. We're running a little late as it is. And we got to the car park and everything was shut completely. And there were no phone numbers on who to call or what to do. So we were freaking out. So we spent about 20 minutes circling the building trying to figure out what we're going to do. I was already – it was kind of like one of those bad dreams where you're like, this can't actually be happening right now. Totally. It's like when you dream that you had this big exam that you didn't study for, a paper due. And suddenly you were in the auditorium naked. Exactly. Yeah. But we were not naked. We were not naked. I mean, I would have preferred to be naked and in the car than to (laughs) not in that situation. But – so we were starting, I was panicking. I was like, well, we need to be up there tonight. We need to be up there for this house sit. Can we rent a car? Can we fly? Like, I was thinking I was- one of us would fly and one of us would stay with the van and drive it oh, on Monday. Okay. Yeah, we both were like, had a lot of ideas in I our head. I was thinking that we would rent a car, both drive up, uh, do the house sit, check in, wait till Monday, and then we'd both drive back down, drop off the rent a car, pick up the van, and then drive back up. It would have been a mission either way. Well, thank God we didn't have to do that because when we were outside, we probably looked like bums because we were really like we hadn't slept much the night before and we were basically still in our pajamas and it's a car park for a hospital, which was closed over the weekend. So we were standing in front of this hospital looking like degenerates and some random guy pulled up and he's must getting, have been a doctor or something. Must have been a doctor. He Someone was a, with access. He has access to the after hours hospital. You have to be pretty high up, mm. I, I believe. Yes. I don't know much about hospital access, but I believe that you need to have a high high clearance level. High clearance level, maybe orange or red or something to yeah. get in. So he pulled up and we were like, "Hey, are you associated with the ho- with the hospital?" And he's like, "Yes." We're like, "Our van is stuck in there. Can you please?" help us and he said yeah thankfully it was actually pretty easy to sort out super easy he just got us in by his key into the parking garage and then apparently if you drive up to the gate it'll automatically open a a sensor and what happened as a result of this what were we winning we were winning the game of life we're winning the game of life no we actually didn't have to pay for parking oh yeah because as we drove into the car park we got a ticket and then it's one of those ones that punches out depending on the amount of time you spent so it saves like 40 bucks. Save 40 bucks. Thanks, dude. So there's a little hack if you want. Uh, if you want to go to the First Hill Medical Building, park on park in there on a Friday, and then basically hang around the hospital, try to get in from someone, and then you can just drive out. Yeah. It's the easiest $40 you'll not spend. Yeah. And then so everything worked out all right. We got back in the van. We headed up towards the border, and then we had another little not-so-bon voyage, just a little mishap where we were crossing into immigration or we passing immigration, which is a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward process. I've never, I've never done an immigration, like a, a border crossing via car. Mm-hmm. Like I've gone, walked across borders in South America and Central America. We've done that. We've done buses and things like that, but I've never done driving across. Have you? I don't think so. Where you actually had to like do a proper give them your passports and things like that. I no, we no, I don't think we've done that. So they basically give you just like when you Oh, fly- I have done that in Mexico, but that was a long time ago. Okay. 
So just like when you are arriving by plane and they give you the little customs form, have you got more than $10,000? Have you got animal products? They do the same thing, but it's a person asking you the questions. So they're asking us all those questions and then they say, have you got any firearms, ammunition? No, apart from these guns right here on me. Jules is uh, holding up his arms and he's flexing. And then they said, have you got any pepper spray or bear spray? And we said, yes. And they said, oh, okay. And what would have been a very routine border crossing ended up being that we had to go to secondary. We had to park Mm. our van and they had to strip. And we're not really strip, but they had to go through our van, which mm. was an absolute fucking pig's diet at the time. And the guy asked us a bunch of intense questions. Well, he didn't, the questions weren't intense themselves, but the way His he demeanor. asked them was so intense. It, like, he was like, where are you going? Like, it was just very scary. And I was like, I don't know, we're going to Canada. Like, what? what is there to see in Canada? Like, we're just traveling around Canada. He goes, where are you traveling? And then we say it, and Christine names a city and a state at the same time. She's like, we're going to uh, Edmonton, Alberta. I don't know my Canadian geography. Jesus. I think he was paying, he seemed like he was playing a good cop, bad cop with himself. Yeah. Like he was, he was friendly and he was, you know, talked to us a little bit of banter and then he just went very stern. He was very stoic. Yes. And he went very stern and was like asking us all the official questions and then I, you know, I'll, I'll put a little joke or something about bear spray, and then he'll just throw in a little anecdote, like a very personal one. Oh yeah, I saw a bear when I was running. I was like, oh yeah, and I try to go along with the story, and then he just shuts me down completely. Yeah. It was a good cop backup. Also, Jules gave him his green card, and the guy was like, "This is expired." And Jules was like, "No, it's not." And he thought it was expired because it says three one three hy- like com- hyphen one on the date, oh. and that's March first in the states, but in Canada that. It's January 3rd. So this guy thought he got us with the expired green card, but really he was just reading his dates wrong. Oh, I didn't actually even think about that. Yeah. Canada has a very mixed system, Mm. but it would make sense that it was the same as Australia. It was pretty funny, though, because he was just like, this is expired. expired." And Jill's like, no, it's not. I I I just snapped back. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. He goes, oh, oh, yeah. So they had to search our van, which obviously we didn't have anything, you know, sus or illegal in there but it was still stressful like you never know if someone's like put something you know in the wheel of your car and we probably look like hash smugglers because our van is so beat up we look like billy spanks we look like billy spanks from our previous episode go back and listen and jules has this long hair we stereotype well i mean come on we were like in our pajamas we looked so i and i had been reading about how to like safely. I had my slippers on. Jules had his slippers on. We just looked like complete bums. And everything I'd read advised that you should like dress really nice. Dress to impress. Basically, dress to impress. Don't have like a, a oh, baseball hello, cap on. Mr. Canada. <laughs> exactly. How you doing, sir? And we did pretty much the exact opposite of that. But it was kind of crazy because the people next to us, there was this Asian couple next to us that was getting super grilled by the immigration officers. Apparently, they had tried to bring in some sort of beauty products that I think they got it duty-free but didn't declare. Mm. And so they were super grilling them. Yeah, I don't know if they were I, – I guess they were probably American going into Canada or vice versa. I have no idea. She sounded more Asian-American. Like she had a – Rather than Asian-Canadian? Well, no, as in rather than like Asian, Asian. Oh, yeah. Like she sounded like she was from America. He sounded, I, I couldn't tell. He was a. Well, they could be Canadian. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he sounded like he, he seemed shifty. 
Yeah. He was doing something like he kept trying to play dumb. And he was like laughing and not answering their questions. And then so the their immigration officer like went to the back and he was like, I'm going to get the products. And when I come back, you better have receipts for these. And then what about what he said to the other one? He goes, they, they were doing a good cop, bad cop. One guy was trying to there just chat to him. And the other guy was being a lot more harsh. And then he says to him, when one of them walks away, he goes, look, when he comes back, you better tell him the truth. Stop lying. Stop, Stop lying. lying to that officer. You're going to be in big trouble. My recommendation is that you start telling the truth and stop lying. And Jules and I are just like listening. We're right next to him, like eavesdropping on this conversation. Like, oh my god. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to get some kind of rapport with my with our guy who was very. And I was kind of looking at our our immigration guy, and then looking at them, being like, oh amateurs like yeah get, i was like you know do you get much of this yeah and he was like just giving me absolutely he, nothing yeah donuts he was just like not did not want to banter about the situation next to us which i understand but he but, did have a look on his face like fucking hell like yeah. idiots yeah so the whole thing was very stressful but in the end they took our pepper spray and then we were just on our way i had to sign a document so hopefully that's not anything shady but uh yeah no, we no, just he, got he through. actually didn't explain what that was he was filling out a sheet yep. and then he just passed it he was like what's your name address and then he just passed it to christine and said sign this and he didn't explain what it was right i was like whoa 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 but mm-hmm. then it was just a release form for the pepper spray yeah. Because they were confiscating it. Yeah. I was like, I'll throw it out right now if you want. And he's like, no, we have to. Because the first guy, he's like, oh, pepper spray, you're going to have to go and get your van searched. I was like, oh, fucking hell. Like, are you serious? Like, I'll throw it out right now. Right. It's two bucks from Walmart. Yeah. So if, word of advice, if you're coming to Canada, don't bring pepper spray. It is illegal. But yes. bear spray is not illegal. Yeah. So well, you can, that. you can buy pepper spray legally in the U.S., so yep. that's what we did, mm-hmm. but you can't bring it into a country that doesn't sell it legally, which is mm-hmm. why Canada don't allow it. But yes, you can buy a canister that is probably ten times the size as bear spray and does exactly the same thing. He was also legal. asking us like how much money we have. None of your goddamn business. So many times we he like, asked questions. I what was does like, that mean? None of your business. Well, we have to show you science we can support ourselves. N- totally. But you're also not supposed to bring in more than ten thousand dollars. So I didn't want to be like, oh, we have X amount in savings, and he's like. You know what I mean? Like we can't bring it's it like, in in cash, right? Exactly. But, but he did say how much you have, like combined with credit cards and everything. Anyway, we made it to Vancouver, and it is currently negative seven degrees, which is like twenty degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, negative and seven it's Celsius. Still snowing. And it is still snowing, which is fantastic. We're here until early February, and then we're cruising across. Well, we're going to attempt to because at the moment the van doesn't start. It's too cold, and for some reason, our van will not start. We have to get a block heater, I think. I don't know what's going on. But that is our travel news. Yes, that's an update. We're on the road. So that is our in the news today. Mm-hmm. It was us. We're <laughs> in the news. Hopefully, we're not in the news. The only other in the news I was going to say quickly um, is, depending on who you're talking to, it's a bit of a travel nightmare. There's there's something going down at the moment. Is there? Yeah. What is it? It's it's not good. It's not good for travel. It's not good for it's not good for certain countries. Okay. Harry and Megan, they're moving to Canada. Oh, they are moving. It's very topical here in Canada at the moment. Everybody yes. in Canada is very excited to receive the royals. The royals. They uh, the queen has apparently given them her blessing. Okay. You and go, girl. they already have their dogs here. Oh, their wow. dog here. I wonder if they had to quarantine. It's all over. No, nah, no way. Hmm. That would just be like coming in. Yeah. 
Wow, that's interesting. I don't really care much for the Royals, but if that's what they want to do, then whatever. I don't care much either, but they're here. If I were her, I'd want to move back because her career was just taking off. She spent all that time on, like, deal or no deal, carrying a briefcase. And now she's a princess, though. Yeah, I know, but, like... Uh... Well, they said that they want to be uh, financially self-sufficient. Yeah, but, but I think they're money still getting yeah, plenty yeah. of money. Like, get a little pension. Get a little pension. Yeah, get a little something, something. A little something, something. Anyway, that's in the news. Mm-hmm. We have other in the news stories, but we've got to get into our show today. We really do. We've got so much to cover. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know what Christine's story is. And she doesn't know what my story is. That is how the Not So Bon Voyage podcast goes. If you're just listening in for the first time, you are a voyager, whether you like it or not. You're now officially a Voyager. You can be a first-class Voyager, which comes with many perks such as shout-outs and other various items that we uh, haven't disclosed or will disclose later on at a future time. But if you're a first-class Voyager, that means you have sent your story in to notsobonvoyage.com or you can hit us up on the pipes at notsobonvoyage because that is how you become first-class. Yes, that's true. And you want to be first-class because there are going to be some perks. There are going to be some perks just as – as soon as we can get them out. Yep, you. but they're coming. They're coming. They're, they're coming. they're definitely coming. They're definitely coming. So uh, if you want to be a first-class voyager, one of the first, mm-hmm. maiden voyage, mm-hmm. uh, send us in. And, you know, rate, review, subscribe. You know the deal. Okay, main stories. I'm going first. Let's do this. Okay. my Better be good. It's, I'm going to be really disappointed. It's a good one. Okay. Is yours good? Always. <laughs> takes a sip of water and looks into me just deadpan, always. Always. My story is called Save Your Status, and it is a wild story from the beginning of the year. It's actually the end of last year. That's um, so recent. Very recent. It's about a young man called Andrew Kimmel, who has no relation as far as I know to Jimmy Kimmel. I was just about to ask that. Yes, I know. It's the first thing I looked up when I looked at the story. <laughs> and who thought – so Andrew thought he was going to take a really quick 24-hour trip uh, it ended up being a wild time that could probably be made into a book or a movie. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's they a pretty... should probably not call it wild. Wild, no. Yeah, don't it's, do that. It's uh, it's copyrighted. It's copyrighted. Okay, so Andrew gets back from a trip on December thirty first, or in the process of getting back on this trip, this crazy twenty four hours, and details it in a series of hilarious and crazy tweets on his Twitter account, uh, tweeting at American Airlines. It's probably a series of about 20 tweets, just in one after another, after another, after another, that details the whole event. It's just like this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. And I'm going to tell his story because it is insane. Awesome. And at the end of 2019, Andrew has to take a mileage run in order to keep his American airline elite status. Okay, I've never heard of that, but it's, so do you have to fly like a certain amount of miles per year to exactly keep your status? I've never gotten to the elite status, so I wouldn't really know. I think this is like executive platinum. So like it's one of those statuses where keeping it and having it really does, especially if you're a frequent flyer, give you some kind of benefit. Not just Damn, Andrew, you, know, you go, girl. Yeah, so it basically means he has to travel a certain amount of miles to tick off the loyalty status for the airline. And he's just short of maintaining it. So he'd actually just flown back from Indonesia to LA. So he got like a whole bunch of miles there. He realized as soon as he touched down that it was only like a tiny bit short and it was the end of the year and he really wanted to keep his status. So not only was he jet lagged from coming all the way back from Indonesia, but he's like, I've got to get on a short flight to get the miles, to get the status for the following year. So... He realized that he was – there's something to do with like airline dollars. You can buy 
or like how much he was short. So okay, he yeah. could have – he was like $275 airline miles worth short okay. of being able to keep his status. Okay. So he called the airline and they said it was going to cost him almost two grand to buy the points to be able to keep his status. Whoa, that's whack. Yeah, so he was like, well, that's fucking crazy because I've flown all these miles. I'm just short by this certain amount of miles. And they're like, well, it's going to cost you two grand. So he goes, well, fuck that. So he starts looking at cheap flights and how he can get his miles. He finds a $400 round-trip flight to Cabo, San Lucas, in Mexico. and Cabo, that woo. woo! spring break. And so that'll basically save him 1500 bucks if he flies down to Cabo, hangs out for a night, has a, you know, has a beer, Flies back the next day and then bang, he finishes off the year with the miles he needs. He keeps his status. Everybody's happy. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. He books a cheap hotel. He gets a car rental for a couple of, you know, for 10 bucks. He gets a cheap hotel for 20 bucks. He books himself down there to Mexico. And that's the end of the story. That made is it, a great story. And he made it back. He and made he it back his... and he got his status. And it was just a, just a really happy story. That's lovely. Congratulations. So, he lands in Cabo. He takes him out, himself out for a nice dinner. He meets a family who ends up paying for his meal as a surprise. They sort of gift him a, a meal that he speaks to, and he's like, oh, okay, there you go. That's nice. His trip's going pretty well. Got some good luck. He's out there by himself, so he's like, I'm winning. Nice. Everything's going good. So he's got luck on his side. He's got his impending elite status that's happening. So Andrew's thinking, I'm going to hit some bars. I'm going okay. to celebrate the night away. I'm going to have a couple of drinks. So after wrapping up at the last bar, he goes to grab the tab and the bill's over 300 US dollars <gasps> for two beers. What? So he's like, naturally, he's like, well, fuck, this is a stitch up. Yeah. So this is a classic stitch up. I'm an I'm a American tourist by myself down there. Someone's trying to stitch me up. Yeah. This is bullshit. Yeah. So him and the manager get into words. They're talking about that. The manager's like, yeah, you know, and Andrew's like, come on, this is ridiculous. And clearly the manager is sketchy. Clearly. And tells Andrew that if he doesn't pay, he's going to call the police. What? I don't understand. It was $150 a beer? I just It was just charged. I guess it wasn't itemized. They just sort of presented the bill as this was your final bill. And Andrew's like, well, no way. This can't be possible. Yeah. And then the guy's like, I'm going to call the police. So clearly this is some kind of local racket yeah. that is sort of luring in unsuspecting tourists to stitch him up. That's insane. So Andrew gives him the card. He's like, well, you know, I guess he probably thinks in the end, I don't want to muck, I don't want to fuck around with the police. And so, you could probably just dispute the charge later. Oh, absolutely. You can just be like, that was a fraudulent charge. But yeah. either way, the bank picks up on it first and they're like, mm, this doesn't look right. right. Just like the $980 Nordstrom rack charge I got when I was in Mexico after going to a local bar. Yeah. So, you know, the banks are onto it. They're onto it. Yeah. So his card actually gets declined. And his credit card is just like, you know, credit card's got his back. They're like, mm, nah. So Andrew doesn't know at the time because his phone at some stage has gone flat. So he mm. can't jump on the Wi-Fi, can't check his card, things like that. All he knows is that his credit card isn't working and, he, you know, and that's it. So he's like, okay, don't know what I'm going to do here. So with the credit card blocked, the manager goes, he, he's now the manager's pissed by the, by the sounds of it. And he's like, you've got to go take the cash out. Oh, my goodness. And Andrew's like, no. Yeah. So that's you know he's probably thinking, well, I'll just put it on the credit card and I can dispute the charge and I can just say it was fraudulent or whatever. Right, right. But then the guy's like, well, you need to use your debit card now and get cash out. Yeah. So I don't know what you'll be you'd be thinking now, but I'd be like, fuck that because you can't get that back. Right. Exactly. So he's like, no. Yeah. And so the manager's like, well, I'm going to call the police. 
And he he says, this is actually in one of his tweets, he says it was welcomed and that he said, surely the Mexican police would understand the situation. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> so he says, uh, I'm sure he didn't really think that. I'm sure mm-hmm. as soon as he said it or he thought it, he thought to himself, uh, I don't think the Mexican police are really going to have my back in this one. Right. So the police rock up and they're clearly in on the racket with the bar manager. So they cuff him. And oh the bar- my god! They and cuff him. They cuff him, and the bar manager takes Andrew's cre- uh, his debit card and his passport. Oh my god! So they basically rob him. This place is so whack. Yeah. I hope they named and shamed the bar. They did. I'll, I'll name oh, it at the good. end. Yeah, Fuck I believe this place. me. The story gets crazier. Okay? okay, so make sure if you're listening, don't turn it off because it gets crazier. So, so the manager nicks his pass, his passport, and his uh, credit card. Sketchy as. Um, the police throw him in the car and take him off to a jail outside of Cabo. He asks for his passport back, and they basically laugh at him. And they they put <laughs> him they put him in a cell with a guy from the UK who had been picked up earlier that night for fighting. Okay. All right. So he's told that he'd been he'd been there for only thirty minutes, but three hours tick by, and he's still in there. It's getting light, and at this stage, his cell. <laughs> so this is a funny one. He goes. His cellmate turns around, and so they were got, they got talking, and this guy from the UK is like, "Oh, my wife's going to kill me, like in here, you know, because I got locked up for fighting and this and that." And then you know, they're talking a little bit, and his cellmate goes to him, "Oh, I've got to take a shit oh, in God. the cell, and there's no toilet paper." Is there and a toilet? I guess there's a toilet. Okay, but there's no toilet paper, and okay. so Andrew suggests, "Why doesn't he use a blank, just the blanket to like wipe his ass or Ew. something?" <laughs> oh <laughs> something. my God! I didn't detail this part of the story, but I thought oh, I might as well tell it now. Uh, so, yeah, so it sounds like his cellmate takes a shit in the cell, oh, uses a blanket to wipe his ass because there's no toilet paper. But the other guy's more worried about his wife, who's apparently going to crack it when she finds out. Uh-huh. So eventually uh, the other guy gets bailed out and Andrew's kicking it in there by himself. So he spent – remember that he had just come back from a long trip from Indonesia. Mm. And so he's you know he's probably jet-lagged from that trip. And then he's booked himself on a flight down the Cabo. And then he, now he's been up all night. Because uh. of this dodgy or ordeal. So he's tired. He ends up falling asleep and takes a nap for a few hours. His sleep is interrupted by an officer who wakes him up and says that he's posted bail. Okay. So he's like, what? Like, yeah, like who he, would do that? He doesn't know anyone down there. Like he hasn't got friends down there. Yeah. And Andrew's mystery helper is a Kenyan woman who had heard what happened to him on the way in. So as he was coming in, she was also either in a cell or she was in the lockup area, but she also got locked up that night. Mm-hmm. And she had heard what happened to him on the way in, and she eventually made it out, and then she bailed him out. Oh, so he that's had, so, so nice. he didn't know anything about her. Wow. He just got posted bail from this woman. So he's really thankful. He's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, like, he's like, you know, how did you know? And she, you know, what was happening? And she said that she also fell victim to a tourist scam from an Uber driver who oh tried God. to say that she hadn't paid the bill. So she, that's why she was in there. So there's a lot of ra- there's a lot of tourist scams and rackets wow. happening there. So basically, she's just a super helpful, and she goes. She heard his situation and goes, "I'm going to help him out." So she bails him out. That's so nice. What a nice lady. I know, super nice. It continues. Okay. They're free and they head outside, and Andrew's stranger luck continues when they get offered a ride. So he goes up to a car, and they're like, "Oh, you know, like where are we? How do we get back to the marina? Or how do we get back to this area?" And this guy's like, "Jump in." Like, I'll give you a, a lift okay. into this woman as well. So God, they jump. I do not know if I would trust just going on some <laughs> random car. So they jump into a car and uh, 
And it sort of sounds like the start of a joke. It's like, so there's a Mexican, a Kenyan, an American in a car. And, <laughs> and you're like, and? And the local guy's just super helpful. He refuses cash and just wants, you know, give them oh, the hand. That's nice. So he's going one way and he, they're like, hey, do you know where the directions are? And the guy's like, oh, just jump in. I'll take you there. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. So they, you know, gets to where he needs to go. Andrew needs to get to the airport because his flight leaves in like under two hours. Oh my god! At this stage. How stressful! Remember, he doesn't have a passport, and he's like, I guess he's on a he, his phone's flat or something, but he's on the phone, someone's phone. Mm-hmm. He's trying to work out what to do. He's trying to talk to um, the local embassy or the passport control. He's trying to talk to the airport, mm-hmm. saying his passport's stolen. Uh, the local embassy is closed, so like he really can't do anything at this stage. So he's like, I, I don't know what to do. So he heads to the airport. And he speaks directly to the airline, and he shows them his real ID, which oh, is yeah. uh, which is a new U.S. form of um, identification. It's like mm-hmm. a driver's license, isn't it? Yeah. It's basically it's a new driver's license. It's a little bit more official, but mm-hmm. it's essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he has a photo. He must have a photo of his passport with him mm-hmm. somewhere in his in his stuff. So he finally gets clearance. They speak to immigration in the U.S. or they clear it with someone. Finally, gets clearance to get on his flight. And fly back. So he's like, all right, perfect. But as he checks in, after he checks in, he goes to leave and he hits immigration and they ask him for his passport. Mm-hmm. But they also ask him for the $35 airport tax that sometimes oh. you get leaving Mexico. Yeah. And he doesn't have it. Oh, so he probably has his little exit slip in his passport, which is stolen. Uh-huh. So they're like, you need to pay us $35 if you want to leave the country. Oh, so he's God. like, fuck me. Ugh, like, what a terrible could trip. Could this get any worse? So he runs back to his – so I guess they were waiting for him or like his new friend, his Kenyan uh-huh. friend, she was waiting for him uh, outside to make sure everything worked out. She'd already missed her flight, so she was just going to have to stay there. Oh, that's so nice of her. And so he runs back to her and he's like, he's got to ask her for more money. And this is – I'm block quoting his tweet right now because this one's amazing. I run back to my friend in the rental car, tell her I I can make my last flight out, but I need more money. At this point, I'm losing my shit over just about everything. And she grabs my hand, tells me it'll be okay, and then kisses me. I I kiss back. What the the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. This is crazy. (laughs) So you've got to – we will post a link to the stories and um, obviously we'll post a link to Andrew's profile and the main tweet that kicks it off. But I would recommend you reading – his story because he obviously tells it yeah like i've expanded on parts and i've elaborated on things but uh-huh. his succinct version of just series of tweets one yeah. after another oh are hilarious God, that's hilarious and this is like one of the best tweets and this makes it sound like it's a fucking romance novel or something yeah. you know rom-com and he he takes a piss like you know in the tweets like you know he's a pretty he's a pretty funny guy he's like i just love this part tells me to be okay and then kisses me i kiss back what the fuck is happening? <laughs> oh, my God. And she tells him that if he doesn't end up making his flight, he should come back and stay with her at her Airbnb. Whoa, okay. And he's obviously, you know, you know, at this stage, you know, maybe he's considering it, but he needs to get the return flight to get his miles and his status uh, and the whole point of this trip. Oh, my God. So he has to get back. But at this point, what, what do you think? Do you stay or do you go? I mean, is this potentially like the love of his life? Like, is this? I think. I think. I'm assuming. He's, I'm assuming he's single. 
I would hope so. He's not like, uh, she kisses me, I kiss back. I have a missus, but, uh, I'm you married. know. <laughs> you know. I, I feel like if you were, I don't know. I think that. I feel like you need to follow your heart with this one. <laughs> I feel like if he did all this work to get elite status on his airline thing, then he should go and take the flight and stay in touch with her. Chat over Facebook. Maybe they can meet up in a different place. It's he needs, to, he needs to get the hell out of Cabo. He needs to he needs to stick with what he's where he's there. He's stick with your mission. So in summary, he says he was like two hundred and seventy five dollars short of like airline mile equivalent points. I don't really understand how it works, mm-hmm. but he's short of those status. He was offered to maintain it for eighteen hundred and seventy five dollars mm-hmm. in cash, which he was like no. Mm-hmm. Instead, he booked a four hundred dollar round trip flight, thinking that it would just be twenty four hours in Mexico. Instead, he ended up in jail, a stolen passport, a 350 bail bill, and a new Kenyan crush. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is insane. And he made it back. Uh, he was able to, He got his phone on. He messaged his friends. Uh, he made it back telling him he might be a little bit late for the New Year's party. But basically, he made it. And he also says a follow-up. To anybody going to Cabo San Lucas, avoid Urban Bar. Urban Bar. I repeat, that is Urban Bar. Dude, fuck that place. Fuck that place. That's crazy. And he posted, so a few people came out and were like, oh, you know, like the fucking internet can never believe anything. You know, people are like, oh, I don't know. So he posted some screenshots of things. Like he posted screenshots of uh, the the charges, like mm-hmm. the fraudulent charge message alert from his bank. Okay. That said they were trying to charge like 300 and something, $317 or something. Mm-hmm. And also the charges from um, like from his card and things like that. I didn't see it the first time. Uh, sorry, I saw it the first time I researched this story. I didn't see it recently when I looked, but I'm pretty sure I came across screenshots of messages exchanges between him and the girl. Oh, like, okay. So he like sent out some information. He didn't say, oh, this is who it was. Right. Out of respect for her privacy, but he uh, definitely released like some you know screenshots and things to be like, for everyone that's calling this story bullshit, yeah. here you go. That's crazy. What a crazy story. I hope they're staying in touch and are going to get married. They really should make a movie out of that. Well, it's funny because a few people wrote, this needs to be made into a movie or like, this needs to be made into this. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> all right, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I actually went through a lot of his messages, the uh, replies on some of these tweets and looked at, I mean, there's like... This story got retweeted and shared and things like that, like, yeah. like thousands, tens of thousands of times. Um, but yeah, I just looked at it, just browsed a couple and people were like, you know, you know, oh, this needs to be a movie. Da, yeah. Da, da. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is bananas. I really want to know if he feels like it was worth all that effort to keep his airline miles. I'll message him. Okay. Message him and let's get a. I'll message him and tell a, him that we did. Quote, we told his story. A comment on the record. A comment on the record. I will message him. I don't. I can't confirm that he'll message me back. Maybe we'll bring him on the show. Maybe we will. Probably well, won't. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But maybe not. But maybe not. Keep you on your toes. Yeah. We we should have a guest soon, though. We should have a guest. Mm. Mm. We've talked about following up with some of our stories. Right. And seeing if we can get the people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking to one of our first episodes was a crazy story. Actually, he's from Canada. He lives in Canada. Oh, yeah, he does live in Canada. It was a story about the guy who got stuck in the Kuala Lumpur airport for how long? Uh, Six months, I think. Six or seven months. I want to say he lives in Toronto, but I could be wrong. Okay. Well, that's episode one, if you want to hear that story. That was yeah. insane. That it was a crazy-ass story. Um, and But he had access to his phone and to Wi-Fi and everything like that, so he could keep updates. But basically, he had to live in the terminal for seven months. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, we might try that. Yeah. All right, there you go. Wow, that is insanity. That poor guy did not have a good bon voyage. Or maybe he did. Or maybe he did. No, he didn't. He had a terrible time, but great story. And that's what I feel like a lot of – that's Amazing what I feel story. the best stories are. We said yeah. we'd make you laugh. We said we'd make you cry. Have you cried yet? I don't know. Some stories have been sad. But ultimately, it's the travel tales that end up shitty that are sometimes the best stories. Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. Okay, I'm going to give myself a stretch. Yep, it's a mandatory Christine stretch time, even though we're, for the first time in a long time, sitting at a proper desk. Okay, this is my story. I have a title, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because then you'll be able to know what the story is. Well, that is the that is the skill in being able to name your story appropriately that you don't give, a, give it away. Okay. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Okay, I'm going to call this con man. No, no, no just don't because okay, you're going to okay. tell me the story. I know, You're exactly. going to tell everybody exactly. the story. Okay, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you'll find out. The whole, that's the whole point is I'm telling you the story. Okay. Okay, I'm going to call this story Frank. To be this Frank, is a story about, to be perfectly Frank. This is a story about a guy named Frank. Love it. Frank is born in New York State in 1948. We're going way back. I'm just kidding. I just thought that was... I'm giving you some reference point for this uh, time period because it is not as recent as your beginning yes. of the year, end of last year. He's born in 1948 or it happens born, in 48. Born. Okay. So the story takes place in like the um, mid-50s. So he's young. So he's kind of a wise guy. He's a wise guy, but he's what? He's like seven years old? No, in, in oh wait, yeah, you're right. No, it's, it takes place in the '60s. Well, let me let me. It doesn't matter. So he was born well, in Well, just tell me when the story. Just tell the voyagers and myself. I wouldn't mind 60s. knowing when this story takes place. Mid-60s. Is he seven or is I'll, he seventeen? I'll, I'll tell you. So at a young age, he's kind of a wise guy. Okay, wise guy. He's got a little cigar and he's like tapping it, and the ashes falling off. That's what I think of when I think of wise guys. Okay. Okay. He does these little scams here and there. When he's 15, his dad gives him a credit card to buy gas to get to his job, his part-time yep, 1963. job. 1963. Yes. Yeah. Good math. And he runs a little scheme where he buys the goods on, buys like stuff on a credit card, like car parts or whatnot, and then he returns them for cash. They have credit cards back then? Apparently. Okay. I think probably like small like credit union cards. Yeah, okay. Probably okay. not like Chase. Yep. But J.P. Morgan has been around forever, so maybe... And as he gets older, he ups the ante a little bit, and he starts running counterfeit check scams. So making checks, bouncing checks, doing things with checks, various things. And he starts to create different identities so he can cash. Is this Catch Me If You Can? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is Frank Frank Abagnale Jr. Okay. The movie. A- AKA the book Catch Me If You Can, AKA the movie Catch Me If You Can, AKA Leonardo DiCaprio, Le- and Le- Tom Hanks. Leo Caps, what? Tom Hanks? Yeah, Tom Hanks was in that movie. Okay, I haven't but, seen the movie in so long. But who played him? Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo Caps. Leo Caps, yes. Um, Lee Caps. Tom Hanks plays the FBI agent. Okay. Good movie. Very catches, good movie. They're like on the cover and they're like running. Yes. Like, great movie. Haven't seen it in a long time. Me neither. I will, I'm very interested in knowing But the I've story. always wanted to cover this. Ever since I was young, I always want to be a wise guy. I always want to be a wise guy. 
So he, so basically, yeah. So he gets his start doing these fake check scams. Okay. He's uh, making checks out to himself or cash or whatever, and he's bouncing Tricking them. Tricking the cash. Checking the cash, exactly. So he realizes he needs to create different identities so he can cash, keep cashing these fake checks without looking too suspicious. Because they're like, I just saw you yesterday and you bounced out checks, so this is not... It's like, that's not me, it's my brother. And don't you see, I got a mustache now. <laughs> um, so he starts thinking that there's a few different pro- professions, careers, that get automatic respect. Doctors and... Military. Military and... Pilots. Pilots, yes. Everybody trusts a pilot. Uh, you know why? Yes. Because we have to. Because we get in a big tin can with them up in the sky, and they got to do their job right. Hey, I agree. Plus, you know, it's it's the '60s. It's like pilots, very prestigious, very prestigious. Commercial flying is new. Pilots are they're a big deal. They're a big deal. So he is thinking, if I impersonate a pilot, I could probably run a lot of check scams. I get a lot of women. Yeah, and that too. Um, so he calls up Pan Am and he tells them he's a pilot and he's lost his uniform while he was getting cleaned at a hotel. He then creates a fake employee number and gets a new uniform sent out and he goes and picks it up, which is hilarious because all of that seems so easy. Yeah, I know. It's like, hey, I'm a pilot and I lost my uniform. Here it is. I wonder if we could try that with more low-key uh, workplaces like we could call up a Seven Eleven and be like, "Oh, hey, is, is Bob there? And, uh, what? Oh, well, this is Jimmy. I just started, but I haven't got my uniform yet. Like, and just see if you can collect uniforms. That would be hilarious. And then you can go into Seven Eleven and just pour yourself a a Slurpee and be like, "I live, I, I work here. I live here. <laughs> I, I, I live here. I live here. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. I live here." They'll be like, "Okay, crazy person. Mm. Uh, that's not a bad idea." So thus starts his career pretending to be a Pan Am pilot. If you've mm. never seen the movie, basically he pretends to be a Pan Am pilot. That's what I just said, and that's what the movie's about. Okay. So this is the story of Frank Abagnale Jr., one of the best con men in U.S. history. Okay. And the true story of Catch Me If You Can. So he's 16 years old. Let me sink that in for you again. He's 16 years old. 16 years old. That is so young what? to be pretending to be anything besides, like, I don't know, working at a gas station. I feel like when back in the olden days, you were a lot, you were forced to be mature a lot younger. Probably. So it's like, but still yeah. 16. Yeah. So he's, you know, basically in it for the love of the game. He loves the con game. He's just really into, you know, some people like the thrill mm-hmm. and, the, and whatnot. And he's also like, I can make some money. So he forges a... Is he traveling a bit? Um, he like, is, is he flying? He's not flying as a pilot. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> so he forges his FAA pilot's license. Okay. Which seems hard to do, but okay. Um, so he is mostly not flying the plane. Thank God, because that would be very scary. But what he is doing is deadheading, which basically means he's tagging along on flights. They are basically repositioning flight attendants and pilots from one destination to another so they can work in the other place. But he gets to either sit in one of the seats, in an empty seat, or he gets to sit up in the cockpit. All righty. Which is so crazy because now it's like, you know, you can't even wear your shoes in security for an airport. Imagine some random dude sitting in the cockpit of the plane. Like, how easy for terrorists to be, you know, do that. It's 
Crazy. That is insane. So Pan Am has estimated that between the ages of 16 and 18, he flew more than a million miles as a deadhead on these flights. He has got executive premium status. Yeah. He's put Andrew Kimmel to shame. Yeah, pretty much. Also, I don't think he was put in any Mexican jails, as far as I know. So he's got a, a leg up on him. I mean, how old did he look? Well, apparently he was graying, like when, like started getting gray hair when he was a teenager. So it was easier to Probably impersonate. Also with con men, it's like all confidence, confidence, you know, and being really smart. How confident would you be if you were boarding a flight? Say you were boarding from New York to London and you jumped on a flight and you know, sometimes you see the pilots floating around before the flight and you see this kid who looks like he's 17. You'd be like, uh, how I, much experience does this guy have? I would probably be like, I'm leaving. <laughs> also, because if they if they board the flight, you don't know that they're deadheading. You, that you think that they could be flying. Although I've heard that planes are pretty much automatic these days. How yeah, they fly themselves. But when I was uh, younger, I was in Hawaii with my family. I don't think I've told this story on air before. But I was in Hawaii with my family, and we were at a breakfast at the hotel, and we were about to board a flight to a smaller island, Kauai, and we saw a pilot at the breakfast with his sunglasses on looking hungover, and we were like, ha-ha, hope that's not our pilot. And then, of, of course, we get to the airport, and we see, and it's the same guy, and he's our pilot. And he's drinking Bloody Marys and mimosas in the morning. And mimosas. And he's like, oh, it's going to be a rough one. (laughs) So I can kind of relate to that. So he flew more than a million miles as a passenger. He flew more than 200. As a pilot. As a passenger. Oh, passenger. Deadhead. As a passenger pilot. Yeah, pilot passenger. Deadhead. Okay. He flew more than 250 flights and went to over 26 countries. Wow. All for free. Not only that, but he was making money from the check. So why was he flying? Why was he flying? Just why? to travel? He was tra- flying to travel. Oh, okay. So I thought it wasn't part of his scam. Well, he, I mean, he had to scam his way onto the plane. Yes. But he was, you But know, he was flying to he, other places to like, like, was he flying within the US? Well, he went to over 26 countries. Okay. But was he flying within the US to cash checks, like fake checks and things like that? Or He was cashing fake checks because when you deadhead, this is kind of genius. Like I know if you being a pilot is really hard work and flight attendants, don't even get me started on them. <laughs> Just kidding. Easy. But if you deadhead, you don't have to do any work and you get paid. Well, there you go. So was so, he taking a wage? So I think he was getting his checks. I don't know. So And when you land at the destination, Pan Am pays for your hotel, and they Pan pay for Am. your food and lodging. So Living that baller life. Yeah, so he was pretty much living that baller life. So he was pretending to be a Pan Am flight pilot, but he was actually flying on non-Pan Am flights, so that helped him kind of get away with it. Apparently, at one point, he was invited by pilots to take control of the plane during the flight. This actually happened several times. Almost every time, he denied and said, oh, that's okay, I'm I'm good. But apparently, one time, he took control of the flight, and they were flying at 30,000 feet. Uh, But thankfully, he enabled autopilot, so he wasn't driving the plane into the ground. I wonder how much he learned about flying in that process. He probably actually would have learned a bit. Definitely. Well, he at least learned how to turn the plane onto autopilot. Mm. Um, so a couple crazy other parts. He went 
he basically conned Pan Am into getting in touch with a group of Arizona University students who wanted to be air stewardesses and went on a international promotional tour for Pan Am around Europe, where he took these eight women, young women, uh, and just amazing had them wear Pan Am uniforms and basically stayed in a bunch of fancy hotels and, and probably slept with all of them. Probably. I mean, let's be honest. And got to do that all on Pan Am's dime. He, they also said that he managed to pocket $300,000 extra during that trip from... He got a retirement bonus. <laughs> <laughs> a pension. A pension. He's actually signed up for a pension. Never flown a plane in his life and he's on a Pan Am pension. That would be hilarious. Amazing. Um, but $300,000 in like the 60s? That That's a lot of money. way too much money. Yeah, that it's must like be like three million a, now. Yeah, exactly. That seems like a crazy amount of money. So eventually he kind of gets out of the scam and starts pretending to be a doctor, lawyer, sociology professor, various other things. Um, but then he goes back to his fake pilot career and he, an Air France stewardess that he had dated, which is also kind of weird because how old... He was between the ages of 16 and 18 during this, and he was dating stewardesses? I mean, they might have been 18 to 20. That's true. I wonder if they knew they were dating well, they a were teenager. Or they were 45. Or they were 45. Maybe he likes cougars. But apparently one of the stewardesses tips off police, because at this point they're getting suspicious, and he gets arrested in Paris and extradited to the U.S. at the age of 21. Obviously he's not going to let them catch him that easy. Catch me if you can. That's the title of the movie. So while he'd been on these flights, he had learned a bit about piloting. And he also knew the mechanics of the plane pretty well from chatting with pilots. Yep. So he kind of knew where stuff was. He kind of knew the lay of the land of the flight. So during the flight, he was being extradited to go to jail in the U.S. Mm -hmm. He did not have any cops on the flight looking like watching him for some reason. But the airline crew was supposed to watch him. We know how we, we feel know about how much, them. We know how much of a good job they do. They did a terrible job. So in the movie, he gets up about 10 minutes before they land and goes to the lavatory and lifts out the self-contained toilet of the plane. He squeezes himself into this hole that he's created and opens a hatch underneath and is dangling 10 feet above the tarmac by his fingers. Just as like just right after they land, as it's landing, as he's it's like, landing. Oh, "I'm coming in." <laughs> um, he drops down and takes off running on the tarmac. So I also read an interview that that's actually what happened, and then I read another interview that said he actually escaped from the kitchen galley where they service the plane. But same idea, he moves some sort of equipment and drops down Dropped into like the hull. Yeah, and then escapes and runs wow. off the tarmac. Isn't that crazy? And he has he has a an airline engineer or like maintenance crew outfit in yeah. his backpack and he just throws totally. that on. And He's like that scene in the office where Dwight has all the disguises yeah, yeah. for every person in the office. So he escapes. He has a, a few more run-ins. At one point, these two FBI agents uh, apprehend him and then he convinces them that he's also an FBI agent and he's undercover. And he gets away with that one. But then a month later, he falls... Really Anything to stay on the road. This guy's, this guy's passion for traveling... I know. ...is insane. This guy I should could commend be, him. This guy is one of the most passionate travelers ever. Anything to stay on the road and be, you know, keep visiting countries. 
He also got to fly Pan Am, like, in the height. I guess he didn't really fly Pan Am, but he got to fly in, like, the height of the airline era. Mm. Don't you think things would have been a lot better back then? Yeah, you could smoke. Yeah, that That's sucks. Disgusting. But people dressed up, yeah, people looked yeah. good on planes, and the food was good, and you had uh, silverware cutlery. Yes, which is pretty nice. That's nice. Would you like to have flown back then? Yes, I would absolutely. Me too. I think that sounds really nice. Plus, he got to stay in the uh, pilot hotels. That's nice. Free of charge. And bang all the air stewardess. Yeah, room service too. Mm. That's pretty good. So he's just living the dream until he is not. He is walking down the street <laughs> She's like, it works. in New York, and two officers see him as he walks by their car, and he calls out, they call it his name, he turns around, and he is apprehended. Bang. He's sentenced to 12 years in jail, which is, like, pretty good. Apparently, Not he was wanted in, like, all these different countries, like That's pretty good. Italy, I think even Mexico wanted him, so they got your boy, but they did not get my boy. Yeah. Sorry, dude. So he basically, one of the FBI agents agents on his case convinces authorities that he would be a good asset on their team. So after five years, he's paroled, and then he starts helping the FBI solve uh, like international fraud cases. Ah, oh, that's like one of those things where you're a hacker and you get busted, and then they're like, "Well, you can they go to jail, you. or you can hack the other hackers." Yeah. Or but yeah. apparently, you work for free if that happens. Uh, but so I don't know how you, you would live on that. Well. You, yeah, you must have. They must have to give you some kind of stipend to live, because otherwise you must have been in jail. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you, you're earning. Your, you're working for your freedom. You're working for your freedom. That's fair enough. You do the crime. Yeah, you don't even now have to do pay the time. the time. Yeah, pay the time. Now work the time. Work that time. So he's now married with kids, and one of his sons is an FBI agent. Oh, which is hilarious. That is hilarious. How old is he now? Oh wait, he was born in forty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, so two thousand twenty <laughs> minus forty-eight. Except he probably hasn't had his birthday yet. So he's like 71. Yes. So he wrote the book, Catch Me If You Can. It became a Steven Spielberg movie. Did he make money off it? Was he allowed to profit? He made a little bit of money off of it, but not that much. I think it was like 20,000 pounds. Okay. I don't know why it was in What pounds. if somebody else told your story? Like what if he told his son the whole story and then his son sold the rights to his dad's story oh. and his son made the money and then he could give the money? That's so interesting. I feel like that that's a good workaround. Yeah. Yeah. So he, what I thought was interesting was that, would okay, would you think that would be easier to con people back then or con people today? Definitely back then. Okay, so he said that it was 4,000 times easier to con people today than it was 50 years Although ago. Although there is a lot more access to people these days, like online scams and things like that. Yeah, he was saying this crazy stuff about how when you're in airports, people can use this app that like downloads your facial recognition and they can pretty much find you instantly and it's crazy. Mm. And they can steal your identity very easily. Yeah. So he said, like, back then he needed a printing press to do all the fake checks. Nowadays, you can um, do, you know, laptops and stuff. Yeah, so it's yeah much that's easier. true. So a little follow-up. In November of last year, there was another guy, an Indian guy, who posed as a pilot to get perks while flying, like seat upgrades and faster security. But he was obviously not as slippery as this dude <laughs> because he was arrested while doing this on an Air Asia flight. And they confiscated his phone and found photos of him dressed up as an army colonel and other outfits oh, that so he presumably re- used to get paid. And he wasn't serving warrants. He was not serving warrants, <laughs> I do not believe. So maybe he was serving chicken. 
So what would you dress up? <laughs> he's the what, colonel. He's the colonel. What would you dress up to, uh, to well, take advantage? I was going to ask what, what you would impersonate. To take advantage of travel. Uh, Definitely not a flight attendant because that's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Got to be a pilot. Pilot's a pretty good one. I feel like that's a good one. Um, I think pilot would be the best one. Mm. Maybe a luggage carrier. Nah, probably not. <laughs> Unless you want to steal people's luggage. Well, nobody bothers you then. Yeah, nobody, that's true. nobody asks questions of luggage carriers. Yeah. I would want to be the person who has control of that uh, little car that you can drive through the airport. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. The one fun. that's like an upgraded golf cart. And they always drive way, way too, too fast. fast. Yeah. They're crazy on those things. They are. They're like, out of the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or what about, you know what would be good? Like a, a high executive of a hotel chain. Oh, that like would a, be good. Like a Marriott or something like that. And then mm. every, because you could, you know, you can say Marriott, Ritz Carlton, all that. And everywhere you go, you could be like, I'll take the executive suite. That would be nice. Or maybe a diplomat. Mm. That would be a, probably an easy one to fake. You could kick in an M. Well, that would probably be the hardest one to fake. You think so? Yeah. Well, nobody fucks with the diplomat. That's true. But you get, the, you get the security, you get the fancy license plate. That's true. That would make travel so much easier. That's it. All right. Tell us what you would do. Yeah, we want to know. We want to know. That concludes an episode. Yes, episode it does. 16. Uh, but send us in your stories. Tell us what you would impersonate. Uh, hit us up on the gram at Not So Bon Voyage on Instagram and Twitter. Tell us who would you impersonate to take advantage of your travels. Yes. What would you try to milk out of the system? What would you milk? Yeah. And just hit us up on social media to say good day anyway. Yeah. You follow us. Say hi to us at Not So Bon Voyage, hashtag Not So Bon Voyage. That's it. And you can find all the show notes for the episode on notsobonvoyage.com. You can email us, you can contact us, you can tell us your story because we would love to share your story on our podcast. We've told some amazing Voyager stories over the last 16 weeks and we'd like to tell yours. Yes, we would. We would love to tell yours. But if you don't send it in, we'll be back next week with another episode from very cold Vancouver. Yeah, but the sun's coming out. The it's sun is coming out. Snowing, it's shining though. in my face. It's really annoying. I gotta go. Okay. We're leaving. Stay safe on the road, and if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. See you later. Bye, bitches. <laughs>